sponsor of today's podcast is Portage Bay Solutions. You've heard me talk about them throughout the year as they've been sponsoring us and promoting their Easy 213 application for resource ordering. But they asked me to tell you a little bit more about what they can do for your organization in other areas. They've been helping a variety of firms in our industry with custom application and database development for close to 15 years, including applications for managing response, exercise planning and evaluation, social media simulation, and more. Whether you're looking for a mobile app, a web app, a desktop solution, Portage-based solutions can help you spec out your solution and give you a cost estimate and develop the application to address your workflow or data management needs. Check out their website at www.portagebaysolutions.com and you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation right there on the website. Hey, I just had them rebuild the Washington State Maritime Cooperative's member database. They rebuilt the database for managing vessels for the Marine Exchange of Puget Sound. They helped me with some custom reporting in my 201 application. They're the people I turn to when I need custom database or application solutions. So really, jump on over to the website, www.portagebaysolutions.com and talk to John Newhoff and his great team over there. And you can also check out their podcast, the DevCast, that I also host. If you want to meet the whole team, once you've met them, I know you're going to want to work with them. We thank Portage Bay for their support of the Tactics Meetings podcast. Welcome to the Tactics Conference, our fifth and final panel of the day. This will be our counterbalance to the industry leadership talking about how they go about attracting, hiring, and retaining younger employees. And for this, Mark Curtis has put together a, a great panel, and I will turn it over to you. Mark, All right. take it away. Well, welcome back. And this one's a little bit easier on my eyes because I'm actually looking at a human being and not just a camera that's 18 inches in front of my face. Uh, this is the uh, counter panel to what we just witnessed. And uh, it's a very wide gap of the generations, which I really enjoy. Having just turned 45, I am officially a middle-aged white male. Uh, so we're gonna change that. We're gonna meet some people who A, have just entered the job market, B, rebooted their career and uh, found a new home at a new company. And then even some of that did the exact same thing and got promoted within a six month window. So I'm gonna let everybody tell you their experiences, uh, but we'll start with the one in the room. So Sarah, uh, just who are you and what's going on and what's, what, what's your uh, current situation? Yeah, so I'm Sarah Zeman. I'm with the Marine Exchange of Puget Sound, the official Gen Zer of the, uh, the room, which it's funny to hear us called Generation Z, we always call it Gen Z. So funny, funny moment for us today. But um, yeah, I've been with the Marine Exchange for about a year, just a little over a year now. It's been great. I did that straight out of college. I actually did some emergency response contracting while I was still in school. I've done a couple different things, but I'm excited to talk about our generation today. Yeah. Awesome. 
Uh, I, I'm not guessing ages, but I'm going to say, Robert, why don't you go next? So I'm not Gen Z. I am a uh, millennial, maybe on the elder side of the millennial, as they call it. Um, I work at Crowley Government Services. Um, I did a few. I did an emergency response before. Do some contracting work with a, a emergency management company that's out there too. Uh, before that, I actually worked in a really niche area of. HVAC, uh, air conditioning, cooling, that almost was like emergency, emergency response adjacent. I think that's what really started, uh, started me on that path of always kind of looking for that emergency response work. Uh, thank you all for hosting this conference and really excited to be here. And uh, congratulations are in order, I guess. Yes, I have a five day old in our house now, little girl. Congratulations on that. All right, and the newest person in my life, <laughs> uh, Edmund, uh, explain your situation. Hello, everyone. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Loud. Okay. Um, I was hired into Crowley six months ago. Uh, before that, I had been doing disaster recovery work since 2005. And um, before that, I was in construction management with a large pharmaceutical company. But anyway, um, the disaster recovery industry became just a little bit too much for me to handle. It was 90% travel. Uh, I was pretty senior in that industry, but uh, I was looking for something close to home. And so uh, I started my job search and was ultimately hired by Crowley and um, um, was recently offered a, a, a different position within the company. Um, which was a, a promotion for me, which I was you know, happy to to have that opportunity as well. So, all right. Well, why don't we talk about that experience? Because it's it's the freshest for you. So you probably can speak to that internal promotion process, uh, how that was, because there was still interviews uh, because. Uh, we uh, the company did put it out there into the universe, so uh, there were a lot of candidates. Uh, so talk about the more human element of it. Uh, I'm not sure how much of the last panel you got to hear, uh, but they have their tactics and how they're going to be recruiting and that sort of thing. But how did it come across from a human perspective? Uh, any any um, let me let me go back one step. How did you find your way to the company in the first place? Because that's kind of the hangover from the last one. Uh, and then what was that experience to get the talent acquisition? And then how was that different from the promotion panel? From the, let's, let's humanize it a little bit and talk about feelings, I guess, is what you're getting at. Yes. Um, the, the whole process, I had been looking over a year for a, a different position. And um, there were plenty of, opportunities within the same industry, but they all you know, had the same expectations with 90% travel. And um, um, I, I applied to multiple companies in, I live in Jacksonville, Florida, um, within, you know, within Jacksonville and um, just kept getting turned down. Um, you know, some, some jobs I thought were, I was a dead ringer for, and they, didn't see, they didn't see it the, the way I did. Uh, and I got a lot of rejections over that year 
And um, the last, the, 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 the hiring process with Crowley, um, uh, it took a little bit, it took three interviews and um, my hiring manager, I found out after I started uh, what his, uh, what his time restraints were because he, he's, he's like an extraterrestrial when it comes to, you know, remembering stuff and managing uh, different projects. He, he just, he has so much on his plate that, um, you know, after getting into the position, I was able to appreciate that a little bit more. Um, so the, the, the actual hiring process was difficult. I found that I saw a job posting online. I had my uh, feelers out in different uh, uh, websites, uh, job resource websites, and I got an email, you know, Crowley's hiring, and I submitted my, my resume. And um, um, it turned out, you know, six months later that I was given the offer. And um, um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a long process, frustrating, feelings have to be checked, read, read a lot of uh, stories about other people who just say, just hang in there, the job that you want will come around, you just have to keep trying and don't give up. And uh, so that was, that was the process with Crowley. Yeah, and you're, you're literally echoing what we said at the end of the last panel is that, you know, as the human being being left out there, were there contact points during that six month period where they, the company, again, I work for the same company. I don't know the answer to the question while waiting, uh, was anybody checking in with you just to give you an update? Yeah, that's a great question because, um, that made the whole difference. Um, um, human, the talent acquisition manager, uh, kept in touch with me. And at the time I was still doing disaster recovery work, um, last, um, Last fall, Ian struck uh, the Gulf Coast of Florida, and I was in the Gulf Coast, um, you know, five, six days a week, sometimes coming home Friday night, having to leave, you know, Saturday evening to be there on time uh, for, you know, different emergency type meetings. And um, uh, that process of um, keeping in touch was extremely helpful uh, because it, it, you know, I won't call it kept you on the hook because really it's not a hook that you're on. It's, it's maintaining interest and in, in contact, which is, you know, again, what we need to feel. We need to feel that contact. And um, um, other companies, you know, many times just disappeared. They ghosted. Um, that was a pretty common occurrence, but that it was nice to have that um, uh, regular contact with the talent acquisition group. And to, to, to roll that one up in a bow, uh, now compare it to the promotion process. Uh, the, the, the huge difference because in the job searching world, you are on alert, looking for opportunities. You are, um, you know, at, 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 at my age group, I'm uh, Gen X um, and um, uh, one, you know, there, there, there's so many, so many uh, um, different ways to um, describe my work history that when there's a related field, I can easily come up with, you know, different uh, um, highlights and, uh, you know, change my resume to meet the job application. But with internal uh, promotion, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I was, you know, enjoying the job I was hired to do. And then this other opportunity came up 
and um, um, you know it was it was a nice surprise because you know really once you once you're hired into a position where you feel like you know this is this is a great position I feel comfortable here and you start performing at your highest level which is what people normally want to do people want to perform and want to contribute to a team um, that that effort was was noticed and um, uh, it you know it will be noticed with anyone who puts puts their best foot forward and has a good attitude and um, you know um, uh, just focus on their job they'll they'll get noticed uh, Robert uh, gonna kind of give you a very similar question of how did you find Crowley uh, you you came in as an intern uh, what was that onboarding experience like uh, more specifically, what was your first day on the job like? Knowing that I know exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah. So um, I was working that emergency response uh, January 2021, got an amazing opportunity to go uh, basically away for a year and a half and uh, work the response in Fulton County, Georgia. Um, the planning section chief uh, that I became pretty close with uh, we would have just a lot of conversations. He worked on the LNG plant here in Jacksonville, Florida uh, with Crowley. Um, said, check out this company. It's it's a really good company when, when this response is over and you're going to look for your next thing, see if there's anything available, anything that would be a fit. It ended, took a little bit of time off, uh, went online, started looking through, and there was actually an internship for the emergency preparedness program. And, uh, applied for that, um, have to, to echo Edmund's uh, experience. There was about three interviews. Um, the talent acquisition group stayed in contact throughout the entire process, which does make a huge difference. It, it makes you feel valued, makes you feel like this is, that you are not just a number or not just another applicant in their bin. Uh, third interview uh, was with Mark. And I think it was the first question or second question was like, how do you feel about going to Valdez, Alaska? And I, you know, first week worked to worked in Valdez, Alaska. It was an amazing experience. Um, hiring process was good on a whole. And where did you end up? Uh, your internship's been over for a while. Where did you go? Yes. So I actually stayed internal to Crowley. I got a job with Crowley Government Services. Uh, they have a vessel, vessel acquisition and management program where they uh, purchase and uh, retrofit ships to be used by the Ready Reserve Force um, for MARAD, part of the Department of Transportation. Uh, so I am assisting them in maintaining schedule and, and the project for, for, their, uh, for that program. Uh, a little bit outside of emergency response, emergency management, but it is an extremely fun project to be part of. And it was said on a very early panel, uh, it doesn't matter what your real job is, especially in a private business. In the event of a real emergency, you are part of the emergency management team. Uh, that was covered in the uh, Women in Power panel. Uh, speaking of Women in Power, Sarah, uh, knowing that your boss was just here on their panel, um, what about the process? when you were getting hired just like with these guys how did that come across with you how did you find them and what was the process like 
Yeah, so I was actually a, a word of mouth catch. Um, I, I got, I was a public relations major in college. I um, worked, you know, many, many jobs as a full-time student trying to, to pay off my, my, any debt that I could have acquired, uh, gain experience knowing that it is going to be so hard to get a job once I, once I graduate, uh, that if I don't have uh, some sort of relevant experience, which I think is a whole other problem. Um, but I got into sort of the emergency response world, hung out with Dan, hung out with Suzanne a lot, which she actually introduced me to sort of comms in emergency response, which was awesome. And then, you know, I heard of an opening at the Marine Exchange. They were looking for someone to sort of fill a gap uh, in their team, as well as maybe contribute new ideas. And so I, I went through that process and, and it was awesome. And I think something we mentioned in the last, the last group was, you know, having uh, management who was really open to, you know, caring about the person and caring about, uh, you know, what you have to say. And that's really important to us as a generation. We want to make a difference and we, we have a lot to say. I don't, I think uh, Dan said it yesterday, we don't often sugarcoat things. Um, and yeah, having bosses that were open to, you know, answering the multitude of questions that I had and if they didn't have an answer, being willing to find the answer and also being willing to like help someone along who's coming straight out of college in this world where, you know, like there's a financial crisis. We don't think we will ever be able to own houses. Our planet is dying. Like we have the highest rates of anxiety of all the generations, you know, um, being able to like come into an environment that understands that and is like taking the time to have real discussions with us is just like so, so important. And, and Patrick actually mentioned that when they were doing the next hire mm -hmm. that you kind of said, well, could you try this instead? Yeah. Are you able to explain what the new this was? I don't want to yeah. break any rules. <laughs> no. Um, so we were looking for sort of, uh, so when I came in, we were looking, they were looking to fill, um, you know, some duties that were already performed, but I think that I, brought, you know, I had a different education, different experience. I, I brought new things, I would like to say, to the Marine Exchange. Um, and then we were we were looking to expand. You know, we, we wanted someone to come in and hang out with our operations and, you know, start looking at some of our years and years of historical data and maybe like, you know, get into the more computer tech coding um, data analyst side. And we, we've never had someone focus just on that. And I said, you know, um, this is not only something we're looking for it's something that a lot of other people in the industry are looking for maybe we should go someplace that other people aren't looking um where these kind of people are it's a it's a new job we want someone who's eager to learn and try new things and and has brand new ideas and i was like that's the university um, so i just started emailing professors at the university of washington in their coding department and I said, we have a job opening. Uh, this is sort of what we're thinking. Can you share it with your students? Uh, that's how I heard about a lot of stuff when I was in college. Uh, not that I necessarily ended up taking it or not, but it offers you just you know something to think about. And I was like, these may or may not be people like me who've never even thought about a maritime job. Maybe it even doesn't matter, uh, but are interested in learning and working and, and trying new things and being a part of a team. And so. Uh, we pursued that and it ended up working out really well for us so far. 
Nice. Yeah. From that, so I'm going to open this next one up to anybody that wants to. Uh, that talent acquisition process, which we, we have all agreed for the most part is long and be beleaguered, um, but it does have a good process if you've got those touch points along the way. If you could change any one part other than the length of time that it takes, that what would you change immediately if you were in charge of that part of a company to improve the entire process? I can comment on this. Um, and I think it goes back to what the the previous uh, group was saying as well. It's it's we no one should be going on this way of okay well we received however many applications let's just take the ones we want and pursue that it there needs to be respect for everyone who applied i remember yeah in college applying i applied to internships every day for a year probably yeah you know like 200 300 internships and i heard back from i think three I had interviews with two of them and never heard back. And then I received actual communication for one. And this is madness. Robert or Edmund, did you want to chime in on something about that talent acquisition process that you think, and not necessarily with Crowley, uh, you've interviewed with other companies, something that you would immediately, based on uh, your interviewing process or your application process, say, fix this. If I, if I have a comment, uh, one of the things I found to be incredibly frustrating uh, was not with Crowley, but it was part of the process that I experienced quite frequently. It was uh, basically just losing touch with people, um, no response. You know, uh, I would have an interview and thought that, hey, that interview went pretty well, but then, um, you know, uh, silence, you know, um, that that's, that's not cool. Um, it's, you know, um, you're, you're dealing with a human being and they, you know, they're, it's, it's something that's important for them. You know, it's almost like they're going through a crisis because they need a job. Um, they're looking for something different. Um, that certain sensitivities to that are, are really important to keep in mind. Okay, well, I've gone dark, and apparently I am also Dan Smiley now. I apologize for that. Robert, uh, from your side. <laughs> yeah, so um, within, like, the interviewing process, I, I definitely think uh, the getting to know the company, the culture, and you as the applicant is all intertwined and really important. Some of the stock or can questions that they ask during interviews, like, what's your biggest weakness? I think that those really should probably be set to the side um, during an interview process. I, I'm not sure if there's a real tangible insight into what you glean as an employer with that. I think there's better questions to ask, like, uh, you know, describe a project that you've worked on that you're passionate about or something, an aspect of your prior job that, that really evokes something within you. Um, I know that when I'm looking for an employer, potential employer, like I said, I want to understand what the culture's like. I want to know that I'm a good fit for, for that company, as well as that company being a good fit for me. Um, I want to know that I'm going to make a difference, that there's growth opportunities. Um, I, I want to know that, you know, 
I can meaningfully contribute through acts of service, mentorship, et cetera. And that's sometimes hard to see or figure out during that review process and can be a shock when you uh, are maybe led to believe one thing and it's not that way once you're there. So just open and honest conversation at all time during that process is important. All right, and apologies, a small technical issue for those that are on the webinar version. Uh, next question. How are people like yourselves actually finding these jobs these days? So Sarah was word of mouth, but then she's swapped out the technique now that she's in it to go and reach back to the university, the college campus process. Um, Robert and Edmund, we didn't catch how you, well, Robert, somebody mentioned it to you, um, but where did you go to, did you go to the company website or did you see it on LinkedIn? How did you actually find the open jobs? So um, I found it through LinkedIn. Um, that was, I, I really started doing my research into Crowley, went to the website, started going through that. I think I had like two screens up, one with the website and one with LinkedIn, and it popped up on LinkedIn, and that's where uh, I put the application. I think it redirected me to Indeed, actually, so I kind of hit the trifecta and uh, put the application in that way. Um, that is where I look for jobs. If, if I'm going to be looking for a job, is really hitting those sites, doing the investigation into how the company looks from the outside and, and getting to know it as a whole. If I could comment on that really quick, I think LinkedIn is a really important tool, um, but there is something to consider when we're talking about LinkedIn and talking about, you know, hitting generations and people who might not have ever considered a job in this industry. It's that, you know, LinkedIn will target things that they think you want. And if your search history is maybe not filled with maritime jobs or or something in this industry uh, that relates to it, you might not get targeted those jobs. So. And I think that's a, a huge community. You know, not all of the jobs in this industry are only going to be served or well done by people who have spent their whole lives or grown up uh, in in maritime and response. Like I, I had no, I was not in this uh, world at all until I started this job. And and like there are people who want to learn and and do this stuff. And so you know, thinking about that um, as you consider using tools like that, it's going to adapt for each job. Yep, it's when you're scrolling through Instagram and somebody had mentioned about a uh, you know a particular chocolate that you really liked, and sure enough, ten seconds later, there's an advertisement on your Instagram exactly. for that chocolate. It's always listening. Yeah. Um, all right, so a little bit different kind of question because as important as it is to hire retention. So we heard from the previous panel that they, you know, we we give bonuses to get you in. What keeps you in? What does leadership need to be a little bit more aware of about your work experience uh, that they might not know? Maybe they didn't bring it up on the last panel because they haven't thought about it the way that you all think about it. Uh, we tend not to stay in the same position nearly as long as people used to. I know in my own, I did sail for 10 years, but in four different roles. I came shoreside and it was every three or four years I was changing up jobs. 
and it wasn't in nature of me not uh, enjoying the work. It was me having another opportunity, and yeah, I'm going to go. Uh, and it's similar here at Crowley. So what kind of uh, thing should a leader know if they want to keep you, the retention side of things? I'll provide a comment on that. Um, my experience once getting into Crowley um, has been really good because um, there was some discussion out during the hiring process about you know my background. You know, me, me getting into Crowley was really me going back into an industry that I was in back before 2005, which was uh, facilities management and engineering, and um, you know. I happened to be employed by a, not a, a, a maritime industry company um, for, for probably since 2006. And um, um, that helped tie the connection between Crowley and um, the other company I was with. And I happened to have experience in, in uh, port facilities as well. But um, keeping keeping in a, a updated and, and aware of the talents that your employees have um, is really important to um, having them come to mind when an opportunity arises that they would be a good fit for. Uh, and that's 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 exactly what happened. Um, probably. Yeah, sir. I see you nodding your head in agreement. Um, what other things do you think are important? to keep you at the organization? Yeah, I think there are a couple of really important things uh, that are proving to be, to be important for my generation in particular. Try and hit on what I can, but I am only one person. Um, so I agree that you treating your employee like a human is, is really important to us, but we're also you know, really keen on feeling like we are doing something important, uh, continuing, to have purpose in our work. Um, I think our generation is well well known for showing that, but we really desire that in a job. And I think, uh, you know, if you are somewhere and you're not feeling that every day, that, that would be a, an instant feeling um, to wanna just look. And we have no problem doing that, you know, just continuing to look at other things. And that's why making sure your job applications are so inclusive is important. Um, you know, we sift through information very quickly. That's the world we, we grew up in. So we have no problem looking. And then, uh, you know, being willing to uh, listen and adapt with us. We, we grew up in a different world. Uh, technology relates differently to us in our work. Um, remote work is, is totally different i'm sure to us than it is to everybody else you know we don't see it as remote we kind of just see it as work uh we we involve technology in in our everyday lives you know we use it 24 hours a day the media cycle is 24 hours just this constant go 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 and that's just we 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 function similarly certain people differently but you know whether we're in the office or out of the office uh it's not necessarily going to going to change our work. But if we are going to be in the office, I think it's important uh, that, yeah, we are you know surrounded by people that are are fostering connection and um, that make us feel welcome. And to what uh, to what Jenny said in the last <laughs> the last presentation, I did go to the store the other day and tried to buy gloves that fit me, and I, they didn't have any. <laughs> so 
you know, things like that. And also working with uh, people who not think similarly to you, but like have similar goals, want to want to achieve the same things, um, willing to, to try new things and do stuff like that. Excellent. Yeah. Robert, what would make you stay? So um, I don't think I can say it any better than the both of them have said it. Uh, for me, it's meaningful work. It's growth. It's knowing that what I'm doing every day is having an impact on myself, having an impact on the company, hopefully having an impact on the world as a whole. Um, I worked a job one time where somebody said to somebody else, it's just it's just burgers and hot dogs. And that's all we were doing. And that was the moment I knew that I didn't want to be in that role anymore or in that job anymore, because I don't want to sell just burgers and hot dogs. I want to do something important. I want to change what I can change. I have an 18 month old. I have a five month, five day old. Um, I want to pass along to them a world that is cleaner and better and, and just yeah, better for them than it is now. So what would you guys, all of you, want to see your organization do a lot? Because all three of you have now mentioned along the lines of what would be called sustainability, presenting a better world, making, making a difference. Is there anything that the company that you're working for right now doesn't do or that you haven't found at that company uh, that you think would be like really personal to you if they did, as far as impact is concerned. And being the token millennial, I'm coming right back to you, Robert. Um, I would have to say that Crowley's actually pretty good at having sustainability as one of its core missions. Um, it, that, that's kind of a, a tough one for me to answer open communication, right? Like we, we put out the report every year that tells the, tells everybody how we are doing when it comes to sustainability, uh, you know, our goals as a company and doing more things like that is, is always going to, to in, just improve every aspect from hiring to retention, to providing a better future for everybody. You know, we, are in shipping we are burning lots of fuels we are you know doing those things that are contributing to crises but we also are investing in solutions and changing how it works as a whole and i think that's really good and what attracted me to crowley all right again edmund you you've now been here six whole months seven whole months um is there anything that you haven't found at the current organization that, you know, you may have had at a previous group, uh, which would, you know, make you feel like your impact at the company would be more obvious to you? Um, that's a good question because you know, I felt I felt that very strongly with the other companies I work for. I wish they would change this. Or I wish they would change that. but. Um, actually, you know, Crowley's uh, outreach to the community uh, was something I was able to take advantage of um, when Maria hit you know, family in Puerto Rico and Crowley had 
uh, free shipping to, um, I shipped uh, generators and, and pallets of supplies to my family in Puerto Rico and Crowley, you know, uh, that was, that was my, my first uh, direct contact with them. That was in 2017. And, um, um, you know, so really I haven't yet found anything that I would, uh, uh, um, you know, want to see changed. Um, I've just seen things that uh, I was just really impressed with. Sorry, we've heard a lot about the Marine Exchange today and the very wide scope of work that they have to begin with. Mm -hmm. uh, it covers a lot of things, including supporting the Washington State Maritime Co-op. Um, for you, the reward. Yes. What is it? Uh, or or you know, what, what can they do which would make it more rewarding for you, I guess, is the, the original question. All right. I am actually really proud of some of the new things that uh, we are in the works and, and working under someone like Patrick, who is also thinking about these things and has daughters that he's thinking about these things for. Um, you know, we are very much thinking about that at the Marine Exchange, and that is just very fulfilling um but even just maybe the small day-to-day -day things that we don't always think about both in the office and in settings like this you know um could we be printing less things out at the printer could we be buying less printers could we be using less plastic water bottle like it's all of these little things that could accumulate for someone like this in your office can we can we take our employees out of this office that has horribly filtered air and put them, you know, in somewhere that's more comfortable or just these tiny things. Yes, we are definitely thinking about um, like our heart's fulfillment as a whole in these big ideas. And if you've got that, what else can you do? Uh, like, are there little things that you're missing that might be accumulating for your employees or yeah, even even things like this, you know, every little thing is important um, and, and we see that. So, okay. yeah. Uh, I wanted to make sure that we left a lot of time on this one for the audience to participate. Uh, so I'll start with here in the room. Now's your opportunity. We have a Gen Zer, we've got a millennial, and we've got Gen X, and I'll throw myself in there too to help answer anything that you want to ask that hasn't already been covered or, or go back and recover something that wasn't too clear. The in-person are going to pass on that one. <laughs> Let me see what's up on the screen. Uh, nope, just the issues with the tech. Okay. All right, uh, I'm gonna reverse it on you guys. Are there any questions that you want the people in the room or on the, on the uh, webinar to clarify? Things that you may have heard over the course of the day, other panels, Anything that, and I'll bring Captain Smiley back into the mix on this one. Uh, has, has there been anything that was covered that, you know, there is a generation gap? I know we use a lot of acronyms uh, so that we are very well, very well aware, um, but is there something that was brought up today that you wanted to know more about or, um, yeah. And I know uh, for, for, for people that are on the webinar, uh, it was supposed to be Victoria Lee today. She's in the Florida panhandle uh, that just got struck by a hurricane and has no power or electricity. 
so she couldn't be here, and that's why Edmund is here with us. Uh, he he had uh, two whole hours notice uh, to prepare for this. So uh, thank you to Edmund for sure for helping us out. We have questions. Fantastic. All right. All right. Does the qualified individual have complete authority for expense? Oh, we did that one. Yep. For you. What is the value of working in the office? And what about working remote? Who wants to hit that one first? Uh, Robert, you have a five-day-old. Do you want to weigh in on the yeah. whole work life? Because you also have an office that's not that far away. Yes, and that that it actually is kind of becoming more important to me. Um, I think that it offers just such flexibility. Um, it has been really wonderful kind of seeing my son grow up and get to see more of him. Um, and it's going to be the same for my daughter as well, because when I leave work, I don't have a two hour commute home like I used to have. I have a open that door and I'm on the other side of it commute or, um, but I do think that there's some dangers to that as well. Uh, communication at some points in times can be a little questionable or iffy on certain teams or, or I think that there's a good aspect of collaboration when you're in office. Um, so I think that hybrid work is really the way to go. A little bit of FaceTime and a little bit of, you know, time where you can really get some work done by being in, being remote. What about you, sir? How much time do they ask you to be in the office and how much time is more flex and you can work from home for uh, what you're doing? Uh, yeah, it's it's sort of fluctuating, I feel like, as, as our employees change. But I, I spend most of my time in the office right now, but have had other jobs uh, that are entirely remote or somewhat remote. I have a partner who works entirely remote, so I get to see what that is like. Um, but... I think the the benefits, just like uh, what was just talked about, are are even just moments that really improve your life. You know, uh, we live in a society now where you don't have someone who can stay home and do the laundry and prepare your lunch to take to work and do all these things. So being able to, you know, have my break uh, be a productive break in my home where I can leave my desk and put my laundry in the washing machine and then come back and actually feel like I can continue work again or make myself a proper lunch or forfeit a commute um, or even just like take better use of my time after work. You know, that's that's one of the important things that I think about all the time. Like, okay, yes, this is my work day, but could I be somewhere else after work um, that I wouldn't normally be, you know, at my my home job. And I do think there there are important things um, that come with in-person work, but the question of, of how much does your company need that is going to change. Um, yeah. Yeah, Edmund, did you want to weigh in? Because what she just said rang true with me. Uh, being in the corporate head office these days compared to being out in the Seattle office, um, I walk around sometimes and people are in the office, but they're on the Teams meeting at their desk in the office. Uh, kind of self-defeating at that point where they could have done that from home. Um, but they may need to be away from their home. They may need that break because they've just had two years of not leaving that home. Uh, so some people 
are better at the physical office. They are better performers. They don't have nearly the distractions such as to young children uh, or to older children, whatever the case may be. Uh, but Edmund, what, what's your thought process on uh, your current experience, but also your previous experience? Well, before, before COVID, uh, this whole flex schedule working from home thing really wasn't an option. <laughs> I remember I was uh, in Robert's position. I have uh, two children, boy and a girl, 18 months apart. And I remember my wife uh, was traveling and I didn't have any choice, no matter what my situation was. I was told, no, you need to be in the office. Um, you know, um, after, you know, during COVID, of course, everyone was forced to work from home. And now I think COVID demonstrated that, that it's possible to accomplish what needs to be done uh, on a uh, from home because everyone's working on their computers anyway. Um, but I like how things have evolved because, you know, I, I go into the office uh, most days um, and that's because I, I'm able to focus better there. Um, and the days that I um, need to be home, I can be home without any issue. And um, that flexibility is extremely important. So, um, so I hope that answers your question. Yep. And what are some cliches about your generation that aren't actually true? I don't know who wrote that, but great job. I love that question. Uh, do you want to kick that one off, Sarah? Yes. <laughs> All right. Cliches. Um, that we don't have any work ethic, that we don't want to work. Uh, if I hear anyone say that ever, I will not come work for you. Uh, if I saw you in a conversation that involved that question, I will not come work for you. I think there are people in every generation who don't want to work or don't want to work as hard or that's not their, you know, main goal in life. And that's great. Um, but we just like people in every other generation are extremely hardworking. Um, we, yeah, come from a time where you you go to go to school or you go to college and then you work a job after school and then you take an internship because you need to get work experience but that's unpaid so you take another job on the weekend and that's just to prepare you for the next job right like and we i know tom was talking about it in the earlier presentation uh there's our jobs where you have to give up a lot more and and there are people who absolutely want to do that because your jobs are cool jobs and they want to do cool stuff um so we do want to work but we're not going to come work for you if you say that we don't. So <laughs> that's fair. Yeah, Robert, as a millennial, uh, um, avocado toast. <laughs> What's that all about? Uh, you know, delicious. It's so good. <laughs> uh, no, really, it is. Uh, I would have to say that I feel like every generation gets cast that as lazy by the generation before them, right? Millennials deal with dealt with it. Um, that is something that we've heard as well. Um, entitlement has been a word that's thrown out that we like feel entitled to, you know, things that we haven't earned. And, you know, I, I know so many hardworking people in my generation, in Gen Z that I've been seeing, the, the workload that people have taken on um, around me that are of the similar age and the same generation is just insane and to be disparaged in that way from you know very for years it's just it, it's it creates talk 
toxic work environments. It creates, it, it doesn't break down barriers to get more work done or new outlooks or, or perspectives on work that every generation is going to have a different perspective, right? I remember what it was like before the computers were in every home and like I've straddled that line right there of, you know, the time before home computers and after, and it, we all have unique perspectives and we all want to work hard. And, uh, so Edmund, uh, you and I learned on the abacus, how to do math. Uh, so that's a big change. Uh, what, what cliche about our generation do you think, uh, really needs to go away? <laughs> well, um, one of the things that I think is really important to notice or to, to, to emphasize is that we actually did have other places to drink from than the garden hose. Okay. <laughs> that is fair, but we still were not allowed indoors. So we were told to get out, you know, yeah. we were able to come <laughs> and drink water then. <laughs> That's fair. I think that was a great question. Whoever left that, uh, very much appreciate it. We're at the end of our time, and I cannot say thanks enough uh, to each of you. Uh, Robert was voluntold. Uh, Edmund got a notification two hours ago. Star is physically here with us in person in sunny-ish Portland, Oregon. Uh, but no, thank you all for just coming down, being a part of this. Uh, I think this is as valuable as all of the other panels that we had today. So thank you for your time and uh, get home safe. <laughs> thank you for joining us for this episode of the Tactics Meeting. And if you attended the Tactics Conference last August, we are scheduling it again for August 24th. So look for that announcement, plan to mark your calendar going to have another series of great panelists. If you have an idea for the show, you can email me. The email address is podcast at the tactics meeting dot online. Let's go back to work and be safe.